Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 5 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. Uh, we have a fantastic interview uh, in the podcast episode today um, with the NHL's Vegas Golden Knights' president, Kerry Buboltz. Um, this was a great interview and a great exclusive interview that we had with him. Uh, it was great to talk about their new AHL team, uh, some hidden features in Vegas about the inaugural season, and uh, uh, we talked a little bit about um, the resumption of this season, uh, and Kerry told us as much as he could say. Um, but of course, this interview was recorded prior to the NHLPA's uh, 24-team format vote. Uh, we will talk about um, what the NHL PA approved after the interview, along with the Phase 2 announcement. Uh, I'm going to break down um, the NHL's 2014 bracket and then give my opinion on it. But of course, first, uh, we will get you right into that exclusive interview with the Vegas Golden Knights' president, Kerry Bubbles. Enjoy. The Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the president of the NHL's Vegas Golden Knights. Before the Knights, today's guest was the vice president of sales with the Carolina Hurricanes and was the president of the NBA's Cleveland Cavaliers when they won the NBA championship in 2016. The championship helped lead him to Las Vegas when he was officially hired as the first president of the Vegas Golden Knights. In his first year, the Knights went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, which shows that Kerry has that special touch of winning. Today, he has continued to grow hockey in Las Vegas through a business and community aspect with the Knights, ranking in the top tier of per game gate revenue. Everyone, please welcome Mr. Kerry Buboltz uh, to the show. Kerry, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to speak with me with your busy schedule. Zach, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're excited to be here and uh, you know, Columbus is always going to be uh, special to me, not just because it's so close to Cleveland, but uh, I've got one daughter at Ohio State, and I've got another one who will be there this fall. So uh, we, we love Columbus. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, hopefully uh, OSU will be able to be in, in, in classes in the fall because I know I'm taking some classes early at OSU, and it was obviously extremely different uh, being on Zoom compared to uh, being in the classes. Uh, but Kerry, it is good to see you. The last time I saw you was in Las Vegas during the inaugural season. Um, how are you doing uh, during the quarantine? And now you're back at work uh, at the rink. Uh, so because right now you guys would be in the middle of the playoffs. Uh, so how are you staying busy and how are you doing? Well, we're uh, staying busy has not has not been the, the hard part. Candidly, <laughs> as I think back through, uh, we're in actually week 10 since the league shut down. Uh, on the 12th of March, uh, we had 45 days of telecommuting uh, with our business offices here, and and uh, started back on Monday. Um, but the you know working it's it's been in some strange way it's been busier than maybe it's ever been. Um, yeah. You know, but I, I tell the story all the time. Uh, you know, I go home at night. I'm I'm just exhausted, but uh, I I feel it feels like we're working on a lot of the stuff that's not as fun as what we were working on before. And what I mean by that is, um, I, you know, I love the games. The, there's nothing like the game night, uh, the game night experience, uh, meeting with our fans, talking to our sponsors, seeing the game presentation and the event around. 
the Golden Knights game, and I know you had a chance to see what I'm talking about when you were out that first year. But um, you know, that to me is really the the energy that keeps and makes this such a great uh, opportunity. And we, you know, we haven't had games uh, since uh, you know since that week in March, and and so that's been candidly the the hardest part. What we've been keeping ourselves busy on. Um, other than just kind of managing a lot of the stuff around the coronavirus and all the different scenarios playing out on the NHL front is we actually acquired an American Hockey League franchise. Yeah. Um, we bought the San Antonio Rampage from the San Antonio Spurs organization. And uh, we've been in the process of relocating uh, that franchise. We didn't, we didn't necessarily, bring, we're not bringing the players because we had our own development uh, arrangement in Chicago with the Chicago Wolves. Um, but we'll be launching that franchise this fall when we do get back to play. And so there's been a lot of work around, uh, around that franchise um, in terms of the name, uh, the logo, uh, the launch of our, uh, we did an incredible job with our ticket drive, uh, but now we have to convert those tickets into actual seats, all the work that needs to be done to bring sponsors in. And then uh, as of yesterday, uh, we got approval from the city of Henderson We'll be building an $84 million uh, arena at what they call the pavilion site, which is uh, in and around Green Valley, the Green Valley neighborhood in Henderson. And uh, that'll be the home of our American Hockey League franchise. And so uh, just all of the work going into getting ready for that vote with the city council, all of the work on the new arena, the design, um, what we want the arena to look and feel like, uh, we've been working on that. So it's been keeping us incredibly busy. And uh, so you said that the team's going to start this year, but uh, I don't think the arena is going to be ready for the season to start. So where are they going to be playing? Uh, yeah, no, that's a, this a, season. You definitely don't. You don't just pop up an eighty-four million dollar arena yeah, okay. in five months. Yeah. Um, but we've got uh, we've got great partners at the Orleans Arena, uh, the Orleans Casino, and they've got a, it's about a seventy-one hundred seat uh, building. You put the suites and some of that. It's about seventy-eight hundred. Um, but they've actually hosted hockey in that building before. The East Coast Hockey League played for probably eight or nine years there. The Las Vegas Wranglers uh, was the name of the franchise. Matter of fact, uh, one of our former players and one of our current broadcasters, uh, I said former players, one of our players is a former player. So Derek England, he played for the Wranglers. And then Mike McKenna, who's our broadcaster, he also played um, for, the, uh, for the Wranglers. So... Uh, there's a real connection there, but it's a nice little building at the Orleans. That'll be our home for at least two years and, uh, you know, can't wait to get started next fall. And like whenever there's new and, and a new expansion, just like when Vegas came around, everyone wants to know the name and the logo, like you were saying. Uh, when are you guys expecting to announce that? Uh, it's going to be later this month. So we're, uh, we're real close. Um, you know, candidly, we were going to be announcing it the week of uh, actually March 12th, which again yeah. was the day the NHL went on its pause. Um, that was going to be the day of our announcement. And uh, wow. so that, like many things, uh, went by the wayside, which is uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, we've now, you know, we've got through the arena development with the city of Henderson and we'll be excited to announce the name of the team. Uh, the one thing we have communicated is that the team is going to be named uh, by the city of Henderson. So it will not be a Las Vegas name. Uh, this will be Henderson's first uh, professional sports organization. And uh, they'll, uh, the players will actually practice at what we call Lifeguard Arena. 
which is another new facility, much like City National, which is in the backdrop of uh, the video today. Um, we're building another arena just like this uh, in Henderson uh, on Water Street. And uh, that facility will be about $25 million investment. And uh, that'll be the home of our Henderson AHL franchise. And uh, we're really excited. We think it's going to give us the best development environment uh, in the National Hockey League between our AHL team and our NHL team. And uh, the good news is guys will only be, uh, you know, about 30 minutes away as opposed yeah. to a three-and-a-half-hour plane ride to Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to become a trend. Uh, teams are trying to be closer um, because, like you said, if a player gets injured all of a sudden, it's easier to, to only drive. 30 minutes uh yeah so and it's it's not only that it's it's you know your scouting organization has the opportunity to see um see those other teams uh see their own players and it's just you know it makes it so much easier uh when i was in cleveland we had the american hockey league team the monsters and the first nine years i was there we were partners with the colorado avalanche yeah and it was a really terrific relationship but it was never it was never perfect because of the distance. And it was even hard for our fans to connect with the Avalanche. And then, uh, of course, in 2015, we were able to partner with the Blue Jackets. And, uh, you know, it really just went to the next level, obviously, to have the success that we had on the ice that first year, winning the Calder Cup uh, was extra special. Um, but for the Blue Jackets organization, I would imagine it's pretty nice. It's you yeah. know, two hour drive up, uh, up the highway there and um, I-71 and, and there you have it. Yeah, uh, so let's talk about the first, uh, your first year in Vegas. I mean, it was just a fantastic season. No one expected it uh, from bringing a player from each team through the expansion draft. It was a huge feat. And uh, what was going through your mind uh, during that first postseason that you guys, when you even clinched uh, that playoff spot and Obviously, you made a huge accomplishment getting all to the all the way to the Stanley Cup final, but obviously, uh, you didn't get to that ultimate goal. Um, were you disappointed? Were you extremely proud, or were you both? Well, you know, first of all, um, just to be a part of the the launch of this franchise was an unbelievable sense of pride, and uh, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, what happened on the ice? Uh, with our team, you know, really all of the credit goes to George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, Bill Foley, our owner. Um, they were the, uh, they were really the brain power um, behind uh, what we were able to do through the expansion draft. Uh, not just the players that uh, we were able to uh, draft as part of that process, but the way they were able to set our organization up for long-term uh, success with the amount of draft picks that we were able to accomplish through that process. And, um, you know, it uh, just it was it was truly a magical year uh, from that opening night where we, uh, you know, we won our first game in Dallas. Then we went to Phoenix. We won that game. Then we came home for our first game here and we won that game. Before you know it, we had won eight of nine and uh, it just started to roll. And then I think probably about mid-December that first year, we had a game. We had back to back games in uh, Nashville and. I want to say Pittsburgh, and um, we won, uh, no, it was Nashville and Dallas, and we won both of those games, and I think that was the first point where it was like, you know what, we're not, we're not getting lucky 
we actually have a really good team. Yeah. Because uh, you can make the case, you know, any 10 games is 10 games. Anybody can have a great 10 games. Um, but at that point, you know, we were, we were close to halfway through the season and uh, we were still playing at an extremely high level. At one point in January of that year, we actually passed Tampa to have the most points in the national hockey. So we were first yeah. in the league in points. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then of course by mid February, we had early, we won our 34th game, which was the most in expansion history. And of course in March, we clinched the Pacific division and uh, and then ultimately went into the playoffs and and uh, of course the magic just continued. Everybody said, "Well, that was the regular season." Yeah. And then we ended up clinching uh, the LA Kings. We we beat the the first game in the second round. We beat uh, the uh, the San Jose Sharks seven to nothing. And it's like, yeah, man, oh man, we had won five in a row. Before you know it, we were literally twelve and three in the playoffs. And uh, we were playing the Stanley Cup Finals against Washington. We won the first game. Uh, it was Memorial Day of two years ago. So yeah. now we're 13-3, and three, uh, which, you know, if we had finished off that, it may have been the, the best even Stanley Cup run of any team um, in the league. And, and of course, things, uh, things just didn't work out. Um, so getting back to your question, I, I honestly, I wasn't disappointed. It was such a magical run. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have uh, finished it off with the Stanley Cup. But uh, the experience, um, the, uh, the enjoyment, the personal satisfaction of just being a part of such a special uh, launch um, is something obviously I'll never forget and, you know, something I'm really proud of. Yeah, and uh, now let's move on uh, to this season. Um, what was it like for you uh, when you heard uh, this season was on pause? Obviously, uh, you're an alternate governor, uh, so uh, you know – uh, what's going on with the Board of Governors and other things like that. Um, so were you surprised or you knew it was going to, it was coming? Yeah, you know, it was such a, such a strange kind of two or three day period. Um, so I certainly wasn't surprised by the, uh, the announcement on, on March 12th. If you remember that day before, I think we were all following social media, uh, what was happening in the NBA. There was yeah. a game going on in uh, Oklahoma City. And uh, that just uh, was such an odd, uh, odd day. Um, that next morning, we were getting ready to go over to the arena for the Pac-12 um, over at uh, T-Mobile Arena, the Pac-12 basketball tournament. And uh, we were working with them on some different things. And, and uh, it just kind of uh, just turned into a really crazy day because the tournament, they decided at that point not to play. And then shortly thereafter, the NHL made the announcement that the season was going on pause. And, uh, it was the right decision, obviously, um, but it was such a strange, uh, strange sequence of events. Yeah, and uh, right now, are how much are you in discussions uh, with the league and with your team in regards to the season? And uh, do you have any information uh, you can share with us about it? Not really anything that I can share. I will say that um, you know that that I believe the league has done a terrific job of looking at every possible scenario and, and uh, making sure that uh, they're thinking through each situation, obviously safety of our players, of our fans, of our business organizations. Those are all things that are really uh, important as part of this. Um, but I just, I really believe they've done a terrific job of managing the situation and I'm excited, uh, you know, that, uh, 
that they've been committed from day one to trying to figure out how we can not only uh, finish this year, but award the Stanley Cup in some form or fashion. And I'm just anxious to hear, uh, you know, how we're going to do that. And I uh, can't wait. Yeah, and uh, with all that aside, like, there's a lot of uh, different scenarios uh, with the draft. Some, It's like the NHL released a memo saying that it could possibly in, be in June uh, before the NHL season resumes. And that's looking less likely now. Uh, but there's the 24-team playoffs or the play-in or the 24 teams and the hub cities. Or there's two hub cities now. There's a lot of swirling ideas around uh, the league, the NHLPA. Um, you personally, what do you think the NHL should do if they should you know, resume at all? No, I don't think it's really my place to comment on what I think the plan should be. Um, what I am on, in alignment with is that, uh, that there is a way to figure this thing out. And, um, but what you have to do is you have to really go through every possible scenario and play it out. And that's what, uh, you know, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and all of the folks at the league office, because it's not as simple as just, the games themselves. There's so many other variables, uh, a lot of what you've already mentioned in terms of the impact on the timing of the draft and the free agent period uh-huh. and uh, the Players Association. And, and so there's so many other considerations beyond just the obvious of playing the games themselves and making sure that, uh, that they've got all their T's crossed and their I's dotted before they lay out a plan. And like I said, once, uh, once they do that, uh, whatever it is, we're going to be on board in supporting it and uh, excited to execute on whatever our piece of that plan is. Yeah. And uh, right now, uh, if there's playoffs or not, or if there is a regular season or not, uh, the Knights are currently sitting at the first in the Pacific uh, in the standings. However, during the year, uh, your team was in a slump uh, and you did make a coaching change. Um, Why did you make this change, especially with Galan uh, bringing the team to the final in the first year? And obviously it turned the team around in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I don't think really that that's, you know, candidly my place to comment. Um, You know, my focus is on the business organization, um, the facilities that we operate, the American Hockey League uh, franchise. And and so, you know, the the decision there, you know, really was with George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, and our owner, Bill Foley. And so it really would be more appropriate for them uh, to comment. Uh, you know, Coach Gallant did a tremendous job uh, in the time that he was here. He was well liked uh, by the entire organization, and and we wish him nothing but uh, the best uh, going forward. And and I would imagine we'll see him at uh, at T-Mobile at some point over the next year or two yeah. uh, with another organization, and and he'll be fantastic. He's just a terrific person. Yeah, and uh, right now with the potential hub cities, uh, Vegas's name has been swirling around because of all the hotels and the big glamour. Um, but you've been living in Vegas uh, for a couple years now. Uh, what are some of your favorite things in Vegas uh, with things to do, some of your restaurants? Like uh, there's amazing restaurants there, uh, like The Cut with Wolfgang Puck and uh, Gordon Ramsay restaurants, and there's golf and there's a lot of great things about Vegas. What are some of your favorites? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point because I think people people think about Las Vegas and they associate it with a certain type of very specific experience with the great hotels, yeah. the gaming environment, obviously the restaurants, and those are terrific and spectacular and and love uh, the restaurants and 
every now and then my wife and I will take our daughters and we'll do a staycation uh, down on the strip at one of the hotels and that's mm -hmm. always fun hanging out by the pool and um, it uh, really is uh, awesome um, but I think you know something that gets really lost about Las Vegas is uh, all of the outdoor activities yeah. um, that happen here you know the weather in this area obviously in June July and August it does get pretty warm but the other nine months of the year the weather here is just spectacular and so with uh, relative to uh, from biking to the uh, the Red Rock Resort or not Resort the Red Rock uh, Canyon area for hiking. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, it's it's tremendous. Lake Mead and and all of the things. So I mean, Lake Mead is just huge. And so from boating to fishing, and then obviously uh, the Colorado River that comes off of that. Um, you know the different uh, things that uh, that happen, and then just within the immediate kind of ninety minutes uh, of Las Vegas, there's just so many other outdoor activities. That uh, that people can do, including you know going to the Grand Canyon, and um, it's uh, it's it's just it's tremendous. And so I think you know if I were if I were pitching Las Vegas uh, today, it would be really focused because everybody knows how great the the other experience, the gaming yeah. experience is, and the hotels and restaurants. It's I, I don't think enough recognition for how great the outdoor activities are here, and uh, it's something that I really think we uh, we should you know talk more about. Yeah, I mean, when I went to Vegas, uh, the Valley of Fire, uh, with all those red rocks and the and the white like stripes in the middle, and I mean, and there was no one there, which I mean was kind of nice because you had it all to yourself. Uh, but I I agree with you. I think uh, it'd be nice uh, for people to go experience that as well because uh, it was it was amazing, and yeah, I, like the restaurants and everything's great in Vegas, uh, but the outdoors and more of the suburbs where you are right now, uh, that's also a little bit of hidden treasure. Yeah, no doubt about it, including yeah. Henderson. Henderson is a hidden treasure as well. Yeah, and uh, right now um, your team and the league especially has been uh, hit financially uh, because even if the season does resume uh, this year, there's not going to be fans. Uh, so how hard is this for the team financially? Well, I don't want to say that there's not going to be financial impacts because there certainly will be. Um, at this point, I don't know that it's been determined that there won't be fans. You know, so I think that's something that we have to wait and see as we uh, kind of move through this, this difficult pause. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something that we understand and we've thought a lot about and we're prepared um, you know, as best we can. And we're going to work through it and, uh, you know, get back to, uh, you know, what we believe is one of the premier NHL franchises. Uh, the fans that we have at T-Mobile are the best in hockey. And, mm -hmm. and, Circus uh, Soleil and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we just can't wait to get back. Um, but, you know, we got to just, you know, one step at a time. And, and uh, part of opening up our business off, you know, that was another step. And so... Uh, hopefully we'll take more steps uh, every week as we go forward. Yes, uh, because even uh, if the season does resume, it's most likely going to impact uh, the season uh, next season if it starts later. Um, do you have any instincts that you can share with us if uh, you think there will be fans then? Or what do you think uh, T-Mobile Arena and the Vegas Golden Knights will do uh, to make the experience as much uh, the same as usual, but also keep everyone safe. 
Yeah, no, I mean, obviously safety will be an important priority when we do get uh, get back to playing games. And, and so, um, again, it wouldn't be my place to comment on whether, you know, fans um, are a part of it or not. Obviously, um, I'm only focused on the scenarios where we do have fans because um, that's what, you know, that's the business that we're in. That's what our yeah. product is. And uh, I believe the NHL game uh, is is the best live game in, in, in all of sports. And so all of my focus has been on that. And then how do we make sure that that experience, that environment is uh, is is a safe one? And all of our partners from Levy, which is our food and beverage partner, to our operational partners at uh, MGM, um, they're some of the most talented people in our industry. And uh, it, uh, you know, it, when, when we do get back, it's going to be, it's going to be safe, but it's going to be great as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been to many arenas in the past, uh, but the experience at the Vegas Golden Knights game, even when I was there, uh, not specifically, uh, I, I was cheering for Vegas cause you know, uh, there wasn't really a team like they were playing the Kings, uh, but that whole atmosphere, uh, even before you step out in into the arena i mean the whole plaza and all the restaurants everything's vegas golden lights and even in that first year was remarkable uh, to see um but being the president of the vegas golden lights you've had many memorable moments already especially in that first season uh one what has been the funniest or most memorable moment you've had with the golden Knights so far to cap it off um, you know, I, I would have to say, you know, the, uh, well, there, there, there's kind of two that, that very first home game, um, it was such a, a difficult, uh, game for us because of what had happened mm -hmm. 10 days earlier with the tragedy at Mandalay Bay and, uh, the shooting that took place. Um, so that's always a moment that, uh, that I'll remember. I was a source of pride. It wasn't necessarily what I'd call fun. Um, but just, I was so proud of our organization, how we handled that situation yeah. and how we really were leaders in the community and, and helping heal, um, a community that really took a, took a, a swift punch to the stomach. Um, but in terms of moments, you know, that, that just, there's such a, there's such fond memories. Um, the first game that we played against, uh, Washington in the Stanley cup finals was, was at home. It was Memorial Day, and I remember the player introductions, and then shortly after that, uh, Michael Buffer came out onto the ice, and uh, it was after the national anthem, and he did his trademark, let's get ready to rumble, and I just remember yeah. thinking, yep, this is it, and uh, that was uh, it's one of my best moments ever. Yeah, I mean, and I think there's going to be many more to come. Uh, with Vegas, uh, a great, strong franchise, uh, even into the future. And uh, like you said, you're now going to have uh, your own AHL team that's not going to be shared and it's going to be close to you guys. Um, so I think that your team does have a very good future and with all the market you have, because uh, you're not only having um, people in Nevada watching your games, you're having all, you've expanded uh, your market to outside of Nevada correct yeah no absolutely and that's a big part of what we're trying to do you know Vegas is already a global brand um, but what we really thought was that we had an opportunity to take what was already a great reputation with Vegas 
and its uh, exposure around the globe and, and tie the Golden Knights to that. And so that's what we've tried to do uh, around, uh, you know, around the, the world. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different programming that we've got that kind of speaks to, um, you know, speaks to that effort from a marketing and sales perspective. And then, of course, our games are on uh, throughout Nevada, Utah, uh, Idaho, all the way into Montana. And so we're doing some things creatively to make sure that, that those states that don't have NHL teams right now, that they truly, uh, they truly follow the Golden Knights, and so um, it's been a big effort and and one that uh, you know we're having some success at it. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, because even though uh, you're in Las Vegas, uh, bringing in all those fans, uh, you guys are getting packed houses every night, uh, which is remarkable. Um, but anyways, uh, Carrie, thank you so much, uh, for coming on today. Uh, do you have anything else uh, you want to add? No, just, uh, again, thanks for everything that you do, Zach. And, and, uh, again, you always have a soft spot, soft spot for, for you and Columbus with my, my daughters at, you know, Buckeyes yeah. and, and, uh, so, uh, happy to come on at any time. So just appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that exclusive interview with the Vegas Golden Knights' president, Kerry Bootboltz. Uh, Kerry, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast and sharing uh, what you do and all of your stories um, with me and all of the listeners of the Quarantine Hockey HQ family. Let's now get into the NHL's recent vote uh, and their recent uh, format that they voted on. Uh, the NHLPA executive board, uh, which has 31 player reps, one from each team, voted to continue negotiations on the 24-team format uh, on Friday. Uh, I will now read the NHLPA uh, official announcement. The executive board of the NHLPA has authorized further negotiations with the NHL on a 24-team return-to-play format to determine the winner of the 2020 Stanley Cup. Several details remain to be negotiated, and an agreement on the format would still be subject to the parties reaching an agreement on all issues relevant to resuming play. End quote. Now, um, in other words, uh, this means that the 24-team idea of having 24 teams in uh, the playoffs is approved, but there's still a few details uh, to be ironed out before the NHL makes an official announcement. Now, uh, the few things that they're working on is, should there be seven games uh, in round one, which would be when the 16 teams uh, would then play, or should it be five like the playing round? And I'm going to explain it all in a second. And should there be reseeding as well? And I'm going to get to get to that in a little um, but 24 teams has been approved. Uh, so again, it hasn't been officially made uh, public by the NHL. Um, but this does mean that tentatively the Buffalo Sabres, the New Jersey Devils, the Anaheim Ducks, the LA Kings, the San Jose Sharks, um, the Ottawa Senators, and the Detroit Red Wings, all of their seasons um, are sadly over um, because uh, they are not included in that 24 team format. Um, but now I'm going to try and explain the format to the best of my ability, uh, without visually, without the listeners 
visually seeing it. And I'm first going to start in the Western Conference. Uh, so basically, the top four teams in each division, there's 12, uh, 24 divided by two. There's 12 teams uh, in each division. Um, and the top four teams in each division, which in the Western Conference is number one, St. Louis, number two, the Colorado Avalanche, number three, the Vegas Golden Knights, and number four, the Dallas Stars. They're all not going to play in the play-in round. They're automatically into the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, which would be the regular 16-team format. However, the other eight teams uh, in the Western Conference uh, would do a play-in round, which right now, uh, unless things change, would be a best-of-five series. And uh, these are all based on uh, point percentage. and the winners of all four playoff uh, play-in rounds would then play a respective team. Uh, so, for example, uh, number nine, Winnipeg Jets, would play number eight, Calgary Flames. The Minnesota Wild, uh, number 10, would play number seven, the Canucks. Number 11, Arizona Coyotes, would play number six, uh, the Nashville Predators. And number 12, uh, would play number five, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, and right now, uh, the NHL uh, is saying that the top four teams, the Blues, the Avalanche, the Kings, and the, uh, not the Kings, excuse me, the Golden Knights uh, and the Dallas Stars, they would do a, they do have a bye, but they would be doing a round robin. Uh, they would play all three teams. And then depending on how they do, uh, it's possible uh, for them to be reseeded in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, based on how they do in the round robin, and those details are still to be ironed out. But anyway, right now they're saying that uh, the winner of number nine, number eight, would play number one, uh, the Blues. Um, the winner of uh, Wild Canucks would playing um, the Colorado Avalanche, number two. Um, the Arizona Coyotes, uh, 11 versus Predator 6, would be playing a number 3, the Golden Knights, and 12 versus 5, uh, Hawks and Oilers would be playing number 4, um, the Dallas Stars. Um, so basically, uh, what they're saying uh, with the reseeding type of thing is they're saying, say if the... Uh, Chicago Blackhawks beat number five, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, since they are the lowest team on point percentage and they are last, they should not be playing the number four team. They should be playing the number one team, St. Louis Blues. I personally agree with that um, because in the playoffs, the best team always plays the worst and so on. And I think that's how it should be. It should be reseeded. Um, because if the Chicago Blackhawks do beat the Edmonton Oilers or the Arizona Coyotes do beat the Predators, um, they should not be playing uh, the worst uh, the worst teams on the round robin um, because it's not fair for um, number eight or number nine to play the best team uh, to play number one and number 12 to play uh, number four. And that's why I think they are going to reseed them. After the playing rounds, uh, they'll see who's left, and then they'll put the best with the worst, 
and so on. And I, I honestly think that is the, the right choice. Um, but anyway, now let's move back um, to the Arizona, uh, excuse me, the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, number nine, would be playing number eight, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, number 10, uh, Florida Panthers would be playing number seven, uh, the New York Islanders. Uh, number 11, New York Rangers would be playing number six, Carolina Hurricanes. And number 12 would be playing number five, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And nine and eight, the winner would be playing uh, number one, Boston at this point. 10 versus seven, the winner of that would play number two, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, 11 and six would be playing uh, number three, Washington Capitals. And number 12 and five, the winner of that would be playing uh, number four, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. And of course, right now that's tentative because there could be reseeding. Um, my thoughts on the 2014 format. I mean, honestly, I I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be exciting. We're going to see a lot of hockey. Obviously, there's a lot of argument uh, that Chicago and Montreal shouldn't be included. Um and I get that because they're saying that uh, they, at the deadline, uh, they weren't expecting to be in the playoffs and they wouldn't have made different moves. And I get that. And then people are saying that, oh, well, the only reason the NHL is doing this uh, and also giving in the New York Rangers is because Chicago, Montreal, and New York uh, are all three gigantic markets and it's all for the ratings. And yes, that may be the case. Um, but I mean, the NHL is losing a lot of revenue right now, so I think they should also be doing what's best for the league financially. Um, Fair-wise, I, I feel bad for Edmonton and Pittsburgh, yes, um, because they're looking at a Columbus Blue Jackets-Tampa Bay Lightning situation from last year, uh, and it could be nerve-wracking um, because if Carey Price or Corey Crawford on the Canadians or Chicago Blackhawks, respectively, um, have a great three games. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Edmonton Oilers are going to have trouble, uh, and they it could blindside them. Uh, but I mean, that's what sports is for, and I think uh, it's going to be exciting to see all these teams, all these uh, all this hockey happen, and I just can't wait uh, for it to happen. Um, personally, uh, some of the most exciting uh, playing series, I think Toronto. In the Columbus Blue Jackets would be a fascinating series uh, because the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of the most offensive teams in the league, and the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, are one of the most defensive teams in the league. And uh, they're also physical. They're both, uh, and I, I think it could be a great series. Um, obviously, um, Toronto hopes there may be some reseeding uh, because I doubt. Um, they want to be playing Boston and neither do the Blue Jackets, uh, cause the Blue Jackets lost to them in the second round last year. Um, I also think the Canes and New York Rangers, uh, could be a fascinating series. Uh, but on the West, um, I think, uh, the Canadian matchup, uh, between the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, uh, would be a fascinating grit series, uh, which would be great to watch. And I also think, um the 11 and six Predators and Arizona Coyotes. We haven't heard a lot about each of the teams this year, uh, besides the uh, Arizona Coyotes getting Taylor Hall. Um, but I think that would also um, be a great series. 
Um, so the NHLPA did vote for this. Like I said, two teams voted no. Uh, that is the Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. On Carolina's front, we don't exactly know why they voted no. Um, I Probably because they don't want to be playing uh, the New York Rangers and they don't think they should be in there. Um, but we don't know. Uh, but with the Tampa Bay Lightning, they do not want to be playing uh, because they said that, well, they don't really want a repeat of what happened last year uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets and them uh, and them getting sweeped. And I don't really blame them. Um, this is Alex Killorn, uh, who is the NHLPA's representative for the Tampa Bay Lightning, saying, the teams at the bottom will be playing playoff games right away and potentially more prepared for the real playoffs. That's what happened last year. The Columbus Blue Jackets were basically playing playoff games to get into the playoffs, and they were cruising along, and they weren't ready. Um, and I think that's fair. Uh, that's why the NHL is doing that round robin uh, to make it uh, as competitive as possible. Um, but yes, I, I mean, that's a fair point. And also, they don't like the fact that some of these bottom teams uh, like Montreal and Chicago would be allowed to come back in. Uh, and with this format right now, um, they would be playing uh, Florida or the Islanders, and I don't think they would be happy about that either. Uh, on the hub scenario, uh, like I said in my interview with Kerry Bubultz, uh, the president of the Vegas Gold Knights, uh, Vegas is a uh, one of the front runners. Uh, because it has hotels, it could house families. Uh, but the Edmonton Oilers really, really want um, to be a hub city as well. They've been securing golf courses, apparent, uh, according to TSN's Darren Dreger. Um, they've been getting big screens uh, for other teams to watch the hockey games and for movies. Um, but in any city, uh, there would be one hotel fully for the NHL. Um, but the NHLPA in their announcement, and according to Pierre Lebron of The Athletic and TSN, saying there is no timeline right now of when this is going to happen, but the fact that there is a vote is just great uh, because we know that there's a format, and now they have to figure out when they're going to do it. In other NHL news, it also has to do with the return to play. Um, this was released very recently. Uh, right now, uh, when I'm recording this episode, um, the NHL and the NHLPA released a 29-page uh, memo about uh, Phase 2. They are now saying, uh, we, like I said on the podcast recently, uh, they were expecting it to be uh, mid-May, uh, but now it looks like it's going to be early June, they're saying. Uh, they released a lot of guidelines and protocols, uh, six players at a time, uh, no coaches, um, no media, of course, um, and they would also have to be wearing masks at all time besides when they're exercising and on the ice. Uh, there is also going to be a lot of testing. Uh, they said they're only going to be testing if uh, there's an access of testing, um, but it looks like um, that they are going to do testing 20, 48 hours uh, before they get into um, phase two and go into the facilities. Uh, for anyone that's doing it, and then they would do it every two weeks. And if there's not testing, according to the memo, um, they would have to do 14 uh, days quarantine before, which many of the NHL players are already doing. Uh, the Phase 2, 
uh, the NHL stressed is extremely and strictly voluntary. Um, and Gary Bettman last week said that 17% of the players are currently outside of North America. Um, so it's going to be a little difficult to get them all back uh, with all the travel restrictions right now. Um, and it's going to be interesting when they can really start uh, phase three, which is the training camps. Uh, we're still waiting to see if um, that is going to be uh, in, in the hub cities. Um, but right now, we're not exactly sure. Uh, but it's just a waiting game at this point of when this is all going to happen. But we are really excited that there's at least a format uh, that we can wrap our minds around. Um, anyway, that's all we have uh, for NHL news. And through this news week, uh, we have been posting on social media everywhere. Uh, so make sure you follow us on social media. Um, because uh, we only have this podcast once a week. And news happens all of the time. Anyways, that is all we have uh, for your weekly NHL news recap. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to the breakdown of the 24 team format. Uh, please let us know if you have any questions on it, and we'll make sure uh, we answer them next week. If you go to anchor.fm slash quarantinehockeyhq, you can leave a voice message uh, for us uh, with any of your questions, or you can contact us on social media. And like I said in our news segment, uh, NHL news happens throughout the week, uh, and we only have this podcast once a week. So make sure you follow us on social media, on Twitter at HockeyHQPodcast, and on Instagram and Facebook at QuarantineHockeyHQ. I also hope you enjoyed uh, that fantastic interview uh, with the biggest Golden Knights' president, Terry Bubolts. Uh, we are planning on getting some more great interviews uh, throughout uh, this podcast until hockey starts up again. Um, and anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you are joining the Quarantine Hockey Issue family and this is your first podcast, welcome. Uh, I encourage you to listen uh, to all the other recent podcasts uh, that we've had. Uh, we've had some great interviews, and uh, I really hope you enjoy those. You can listen always on any podcast platform, uh, link tr.ee slash quarantinehockeyhq. And if we are not on a platform you usually listen to your podcast, uh, please let us know again, anchor.fm slash quarantinehockeyhq or on any of our social media. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, my name is Zachary Rodier, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks.